There's a lot that I don't know There's a lot that I'm still learning But I think I'm letting go Find my body, it's still burning And you hold me down And you got me living in the past Come on and pick me up Somebody clear the wreckage from the blast I'm not even sure that Andrew McMahon needs much of an introduction here. Like, what's there not to know about his background? Stellar vocalist, pianist, songwriter, founder of the near-legendary Something Corporate back in 1998 Orange County, California, the guy that brought keyboards to Warp Tour, that gave us the Something Corporate standards, If You See Jordan and I Woke Up in a Car, among many others. Then there's the band's discography. Three full-length studio records, 2000's Ready Break, 2002's Leaving Through the Window, their first for drive-thru records, 2003's North, then a live album in 2004 called Live at the Fillmore, as well as two DVDs and two EPs. A guy who at the height of his band's success decided to take a break from the road in the studio, burn out from endless road life, he told fans that the band was just in suspended animation only to turn around and release new material under the names Jack's Mannequin, a project he didn't plan to do. But he had songs that wouldn't fit within something corporate. And he didn't have something corporate anymore. So with friend Tommy Lee on drums for most of the sessions, Andrew released Everything's in Transit on Maverick Records. On the same day the records released, he received a stem cell transplant from his sister Katie because he was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia earlier that year. Without a doubt, it was a horrible situation for the singer, but it was one that rallied his fans and fellow musicians alike to his side. Many raised money for leukemia awareness and showered him with love and affection online and in person later on in tour. McMahon kept a semi-public profile during his time in the hospital for chemotherapy, regularly updating his blog with status reports, while an MTV crew helped capture the experience for a Tommy Lee narrated documentary called Dear Jack that has yet to be released. You know, I can think of no better summer cruising record than that first Jack's Mannequin record. Go download the songs uh, Dark Blue, La La Lee, or Holiday For Real. And uh, <clears throat> pay for them too, because musicians, you know, they got like apartment rent and stuff. The following year, in 2006, McMahon began a cancer research nonprofit, the Dear Jack Foundation. He toured the country, ultimately raising almost $125,000. Late in 2007, Andrew released the follow-up record, The Glass Passenger, which was met with approval from critics and sold out tours back-to-back. He's also launched his own label, Airport Tapes and Records, featuring friends and tour supporters Treaty of Paris, among others. The 26-year-old musician has hardly stopped living after all he's been through over the past few years. Most people would be emotionally and physically down for the count after struggling with cancer, but McMahon has found a new energy deep within that propels him to move forward instead of focusing on that remorse of illness. In a recent interview, he said, I hope through my albums I've said some pretty bold things that aren't really the stuff of heroes and not necessarily the stuff of idol worship, but the stuff of real living. For me, what I've always tried to do is present the real side of life. Indeed. This is Mike Shea. But if you left it up to me, every day would be a holiday.
I was listening over your music over the weekend, and uh, and I kind of noticed that you have a lot in common with salsa music. <laughs> How so? Um, You're gonna make my bass player really happy because he used to play for a pretty popular salsa band. Did actually, he really? Which one? Biorhythmo. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, those he, guys. Yeah, I saw them. Yeah, he played. Uh, he played bass for them for a long time. Yeah, they rocked. I remember yeah. seeing them at uh, Latin Music Conference in New York. Yeah, one time. There yeah, you yeah. Go. they were great. Um, so uh, yeah, um, and uh, the thing I noticed is that you could write a song about. Any sad subject in the you could write about the Holocaust and it the, the when you hear it though, it's a it sounds like it's an uplifting like song that I that makes me get out of bed and and get moving with my day. That's and, awesome. And, that's why I mean you know I mean I don't know I think that's why I always wrote. You know what I mean? It, it's a funny thing. I mean I, I like to come I like the comparison to salsa music. Like I said, <laughs> I'm taking it back to the bus. My my bass player is gonna be really happy with that. Yeah, I mean you know. <laughs> It's funny. The, there was a. I think there was a point when I mean, we were making maybe the uh, the North record, the something corporate mm. North record, where it was like definitely, you know, started indulging maybe like the uh, the more melancholy side of of, of yeah. that, and, and to to some extent, you know, and 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 you know, while it was fulfilling, I remember sort of finishing that record and having moments where I was like, God, you know, I could have, I could have not given in to that as much you know what i mean the, mm -hmm. just the melancholy aspect and and i mean, even when you know when i started the jacks thing i mean in a lot of ways with everything in transit it was like it was very uh, uh you know for me it was a pretty dark period and you know it was i mean it was it was a self-exploration there was a lot of cool things going on but it was but it was a lonely time you know being away from my band being away from my girl having all these sorts of you know whatever and it, and I, it kind of occurred to me like you know maybe the best way to to get out out of all of this is is to sort of pin some of these lyrics against more hopeful melodies or at least or at least this ide this ideology of 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 hope you know what i mean and mm -hmm. the and and, and uh, you know for me i've always sort of used songs as a way to uh, uh, as a way to kind of you know get what was wrong right i i guess if that makes any sense you know and I, and and i think maybe that's where some of that comes from was it was it that record or was it leaving through the window that one of the records gets attributed to being where you kind of wrote it about a breakup yeah it was definitely definitely everything in transit yeah okay the, okay the okay. first jacks record okay yeah. okay <clears throat> oh, so oh, it was every, oh, so it was actually it wasn't about it wasn't during stuff the corporate it was during Jack's mannequin. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, like anything, you know, I mean, obviously during during something corporate. I mean, you know, those those early days. I mean, I wrote a lot of those songs when I was like, you know, sixteen, seventeen years old, going through, you know, you know, innumerable makeups and breakups and you know, girlfriends and things like that. And I think obviously that's why, you know, it, I mean, it worked perfectly for you know for being 17 18 years old writing songs about going out and meeting girls and breaking up with them and you know getting broken up with and all of that and you know i i think everything in transit was kind of the first time that i had you know was was sort of put in a position where it was that kind of real love that thing that had lasted a long time and and I, you know i had to make sort of a more adult decision to put it on to put it on the back burner and kind of try and find my myself separate from a relationship i think that's kind of where you know why that became so thematically about that one specific breakup but there are definitely breakup songs throughout the the history of the something corporate and jack's catalog no question kenny Vasoli was in here a couple of weeks ago doing one of these and he was talking about say it like you mean it and and the fact that the first draft number of songs on that on that record uh were actually pretty um vicious oh against yeah against the girl that broke up with him 
and um, on his birthday. And uh, so he had ended oh, up sh- having to scratch them and and, and and write new drafts. Were were do you can you recall any particular songs mm. off of um, that that are kind of the second drafts that you can think of? Going all right, this is the <laughs> the, the angry letter was was thrown out. I mean, not not as much in the re- not as much in respect of uh, of the uh, uh, like the relationship song. Well, actually, no. I mean, there's one song. There's one song off of a. a off a of transit that that's a uh, that that well was recorded for everything in transit and then um <clears throat> ended up being a b-side for for this record um for for uh, the glass passenger called cellular phone mm. um and originally the 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 song itself was a, I wrote it during that same period where I was writing everything in transit and everything was very relationship centric and it was really about you know it was really about just that and 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 the lyric originally in the chorus was a uh, uh you know she's gonna rig me up on my cellular phone until i'm like ready to explode or so you know something <laughs> like like just like please leave me alone i'm like i know i'm a horrible person just let me be um <clears throat> and strangely enough pardon me my throat no. is just coming <clears throat> but strangely enough what end God damn! <laughs> if the cold is going around, man. The cold is just yeah taking me I down. I had it. I had it. But no, uh, um, and then you know I put it on the back burner. It just didn't. It didn't end up coming together during those sessions. And um, and then when I when we we had sort of had it mixed down while I was while I was in the hospital when we were kind of putting you know you, you know thinking about putting out some of these B sides and stuff and. And it didn't f- feel right. It was like kind of the lyric was a little mm. pedestrian or whatever. And then, and then I found myself sort of as I was as I was getting better and really getting anxious to kind of get in the studio and just kind of cut my teeth again. You know, now that I was starting to feel well, listening to this song "Cellular Phone" and and realizing that there were these like, you know, there there was a lot of these bizarre kind of coincidences between the lyric that I was writing and 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 sort of how I was feeling as a as a you know a guy on the mend mm. and and how truthfully in the period of time that I was getting well how this this girl that I had been separated from how she, we had reconnected and mm. we're, we're we're you know we're together again and and I almost and I wrote I rewrote the lyric almost oh, in, wow. in, not not to accommodate the new situation but really to kind of like in a way reflect you know it's like she's gonna ring me up on my cellular phone to let me know i'm not alone in a world full of vampires you know and come on darling talk me down on that cellular phone right because i can't get home i'm a slave to the wires you know talking about sitting in that room all lit up with ivs and having this this amazing woman sitting next to me and 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 pulling me through and this woman who ironically i had originally written this kind of bitter you know this bitter discourse about how I needed my space originally, and and that song sort of evolved. You know, and and uh, you know that's one of the that's one of the few that I've ever really just gone back and said like, no, this is not. But what this song is about something altogether different now. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, it's a, and it's out there. I mean, we put it out. I think on a B side. I think it's a. It should be on iTunes somewhere or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't Everything's know. Everything's on iTunes. Everything's <laughs> on iTunes somewhere. Yeah, but yeah, it's called Cellular Phone. It's actually. I mean, truthfully, it's one sure. of the better songs from from both sessions. But it just it, it it's it's a bit of a downer, and I kind of I, I was I was doing my best to keep this record. You know, as as positive as possible. You know, I just while well, you're thinking that, I mean, I, I've I've got another question, kind of continue with this thought, but just out of curiosity, from a musician, where do you buy your music? 
I mean, because everything I've read, you're pretty digital friendly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I buy, I buy most of my music online. I buy most of my music on, from iTunes, truthfully. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, you haven't tr- switched over to like Amazon yet or anything like that. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I do the, the same thing that I think a lot of people are doing now is is that impulse buy. You know, my mm. my hope is that the model evolves and 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 you know, we did our best during the the, the making of this record yeah. to. To evolve the model, at least from our at, you put from out our like end, like three digital EPs, didn't you? Yeah, well, we like did Rhapsody. And yeah, we two did iTunes. Yeah, we did two iTunes EPs. Um, you know, and it's it's one of these things. It's like I think there are necessary evils in this world. Not to call iTunes evil, because I think, you know, they did something brilliant. You know, when the when the major record labels refused to to yield to what was becoming the way of the world, iTunes stepped in and said, "Fine, we'll sell the music." You know, and and I mean, my hope is that is that bands and labels and and those of us who make music for a living will start calling for a change to the model that that involves not only the impulse buy but also involves reinforcing, you know, that purchase with with something physical, you know, and that's sort of what we really pushed for on the Jack site, and we ended up, you know, iTunes sold I think twenty almost twenty two thousand units of our record in the first week, but we on our website sold 6,000 and it's because we serviced every single piece of, of digital product that we sold. We, we serviced with a, a piece of physical product, you know? And I mm. think, well, maybe that's a novel idea now. I think there's a really good chance. And my hope is that, that, that people will start standing up and saying, look, you know, if you're going to buy digital music and you're going to, you can buy it anywhere, you know, why don't you come to our website and buy it from us directly because we're going to send you something in the mail because now there's none of these, there's no, there are no salespeople to pay. There's no returns. There's none, you know, there's none of these, none of these industry sort of things that existed before. Now we can spend, you know, a dollar 50 or $2 and create, you know, like we created a heavy card stock book for every kid who spent $13 buying the digital album, they got sent this like really cool, big, bulky liner notes with pictures and pictures from over the years and stuff. And I think, you know, I'd love to see the model shift towards that so that music becomes collectible again. Because I, mm. I, unfortunately, I don't think pure digital services, you know, the interest of of, of people who who want to connect to a band. I mean, getting a right. P, getting a PDF of the liner notes just I don't <laughs> think is is the. I mean, you know, and it is the Intimacy way of the world. Kind of goes out the door. Yeah, and I think I think it's time for bands to start saying like the, you know, making a real connection to our to our fans via our albums. You know, is 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 still important to us. It's uh, so so to kind of go back to uh, the thought I was going at because it, it, I could go on that one a little bit longer. Um, uh, you know, you've you've talked so much about that you are a lyricist from a therapeutic standpoint. Yeah, and and uh, and you you wrote you kind of start off when you were younger writing a lot of poetry. Yeah, kind of just busting you know getting your chops. Yeah, 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 you know going from writing poetry when you were a kid, and then your uncle died. Right. And uh, um, I've always kind of wondered, uh, is there a trick to taking poetry and then transferring it into lyrics? You know, I've never been good at that personally. Like, I've mm-hmm. never been able... I mean, it's it's very rarely that I sit down and write a piece of... Like, a piece of poetry or a piece of prose and then and then go, this is 
this is great material for a song. Now I got to turn it into a song. It, you know, for me, it's always kind of a dance. It's always sort of, <clears throat> you know, all of the motions at once. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there, you know, for me, there's, a, there isn't much of a trick to any of it. It's all, it's sort you know, sort of the beauty of this thing. And, and, you know, for a dude who, who really, I mean, I lose, I lose focus pretty quickly and pretty easily. I think the reason mm. that I've been, that I've always been able to keep, so focused and keep my attention so much on writing is that it is still so mysterious to me and it's still uh, i can't i can't ever completely place how and where and why a song becomes what it does and and furthermore why certain songs become so much more important than other songs you mm -hmm. know like mm -hmm. I, I you know i think that that's the beauty of it is that you know for me like i'll see you know when it comes to words you know i'll 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 encounter you know, uh, you know, some sort of phrase or something will catch my ear or I'll just be writing, you know, maybe I will be writing a piece of prose and then all of a sudden like a little thing will jump out. Like when I wrote American Love on, on this record, it was like, I, I was like in this pro place where I was like, God, I need to write a song and it's just not coming together. And I went through my journal and I just highlighted the coolest little bits of phrases that I had written in the course of, of, you know, maybe six months worth of various different writings. And it was okay. like, one of them was American love. <clears throat> the other one was, um, was a, a, a hidden planet in the solar system. Another right. one, you know what I mean? Like, like, and I, and I, and I went through and I, I was like, write a verse with every single one of these things in it. You know what I mean? And then, and then I wrote this Sounds verse. Like a school it, project. <laughs> yeah. You know, it really wasn't, you know, sometimes writing assignments can be, can be these like really, you can hatch these really amazing ideas. And I did, I wrote this, I, I, you know, and I, so I sort of wrote that first verse and all of a sudden it, it had painted this sort of grim picture of, 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 of the, this, this, this struggling sort of soul in a, in a, in a, in a very bad situation, you know, and all, and, and then it was, and, and then, it, and then, and the last, you know, like the kind of, the punchline was that somewhere along the lines, I, there was that highlighted big hearts are for breaking, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and mm -hmm. like, so, so I mean, yeah, it happens where you can where you can sort of find things, but it, I tend to find it's just like it comes. It starts with a gut feeling, a set of words or a melody, and then and then it and then it takes shape. How many songs would you just had a kind of ballpark? How many songs you got sitting in storage that are unfinished? <sighs> oh, dozens at least. You yeah. know, I mean, and then. And then that generally means they'll never be finished. You know, the only the only reason I can even count now is that like a lot of times I I garage band the ideas as I go. You know, I mean, I sat with a couple of the guys in the band last night, you know, and, and went through and played, you know, 20 or 30 of these things that I just sort of garage band and just saying like, you know, this is kind of kind of what I'm doing right now and sort of these ideas that I'm that I'm coming up with. But yeah, you you know, I write. I write pretty much all the time and and I it's sort of a matter of whether the inertia of that moment actually follows through far enough to keep my attention to finish. You know, <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know. Do you uh did you with you know kind of wrapping into that technology thing we were just briefly talking about as your has the way that you've written changed? I mean, are you kind of still staying with a notebook or an art book or you have you now transferred over to your iMac and your iBook or whatever and well, no, I mean, I, I'm still like, I'm very pen and paper guy. I mean, okay. you know, it's like as much as, you know, you, we've talked about, you know, how I've become very digital friendly. It's, you know, the internet is still like, and, and, and computers and the whole deal. It's like, 
it's just, you know, I like and all of all like technology wise, it's like I'm so aware of it and I know how to work with it. But I, I, there, I think there's just something so impersonal about like even looking back at a set of words that I type on a piece of uh, type on a page versus looking at something that you wrote and like, you know, the, how fiercely you wrote that. And like, you know, you can, you almost can get more of a tangible sense of where your headspace was when you actually sat down and put it on a piece of paper. So no, I, I generally, I generally write in journals. I had a, I had a really unfortunate situation happen during the, uh, uh, during the making of this last record where one of the journals that I had, had really, you know, had, had really, uh, invested a lot mm -hmm. of my heart and soul into i left in the uh the back seat pocket of an airline mm. and uh and never recovered it mm. and i mean i literally spent weeks you know what i mean doing everything i could and and and, and it really and it really fucked me up i mean like where i were to the point where i just i, I stopped for a while i stopped i stopped writing in journals because it was just like because i'm such a scatterbrain and i lose shit so regularly that like, and I've always been so guarded about my journals, obviously because of what they, well, sure, what they, you know, what they, you know, they, they, they're, you know, there are a lot of things that that can obviously be misconstrued. <laughs> a lot right, of things, right, exactly, you know, right, right. <clears throat> and they're, you know, and that's, you know, where you invest. I think a lot of your personal, where a lot of yourself is in 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 those kind of places, and uh, and it was devastating. I mean, it really like it it had a huge effect on me, and I I literally just you know. Probably six months later, just picked up my first new journal last week, you know, and really, yeah, and and uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm a post-it note guy. I do <laughs> like if you look at my if you look at my piano at home, you'll see like hundreds of post-it notes str across the piano for ideas that I'm working on at the time. But yeah, the, the uh, journaling has been a huge part of of you know a huge part of the hatching of what what ended up becoming the jacks project i started writing in a journal you know i uh, like maybe you know part way through what had become started becoming the dissolution of the something corporate thing when okay. we when we started i when the band and i maybe started sort of not getting along well and 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 i sort of had became the the odd man out and i had become mm. real isolated and a journal became a place where i had really I think found my, you know, found a place that I could be honest about, about, you know, what was going on in my life, and 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 I I kept that going all throughout, you know, transit and everything else, and yeah, the the loss of this this particular journal was was a was a pretty brutal. When thing. did you realize you lost it? Uh, I mean, within an hour of getting off the and plane. they could and they couldn't find it. No. Hmm. Do you have any theories of what happened? I. Cleaning crew. I mean, I think stewardess. I, I think it was a cleaning crew. I mean, you know, just God, tossed out. God forbid, you know. It, it, I mean, whatever. I mean, if it winds up somewhere, so be it. Like such would be my life. That's the story of my life. You know, that kind of shit happens to me all the time. Um, yeah, I imagine somebody just saw it and threw it away. You know, I, I, you know, it didn't have any. It didn't have any like you know, if found, send here, whatever. I just would have. Mm. I would have assumed that. Somebody would have just said, like, oh, clearly this is, you know, I have my, my drawings and my, you know, and, you know, you know, years worth of sketches and a lot.
lot of what I had poured into the the glass passenger was in this book. So, I mean, I, I, I you know, it hasn't it hasn't surfaced online to haunt me. I really, truthfully, haven't talked. This is the first time I've ever spoken about it because I was so afraid that somebody was going to go, "Okay, ransom." eBay, now, you know. <laughs> yeah, and now, exactly. and now, now, and now, I'm truthfully have opened myself up for the onslaught of people who are probably going to start publishing things that claim to be the lost journal. You know, well, but if like, they ever want to get into one of your shows again, I don't think they should. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. You'll, you'll show up there with a, with a couple of your friends, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Right? Tommy Lee. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so Tommy get roughed up, yo. No, I'm sure. Well, you know, I'm. Sh- I, yeah, I think. I think truthfully, it, it, what we sort of boiled it down to was a cleaning crew actually ended up on the plane pretty much right after we got off, and it was in a. It was in like a. They they went through and gutted the plane that day. Oh. So I, I think. It so we didn't fly on to someplace else. No, oh yeah, then that kind of makes sense. I, I think yeah. it got tossed. Yeah, but you know, it is what it is. It's like you know, I think you know a lot of what I talk about in my in my life and in my writing is is sort of this idea of you know uh, uh, of just that you know the the past and the future are are are, are you know are they don't exist if you mm. really if you really boil it down you know what I mean and not to get too existential or whatever but it's like you know I've always firmly believed it's like you spend too much time thinking too hard about things that have happened or things that could happen it's like you you start forgetting how to how to live in the second that you're living so you know maybe in a lot of ways because of the torment that went into making this record maybe it was meant to be that I didn't have that as a memory to look back upon. I kind of tend to believe that. Yeah. Things happen for a reason. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know? Yeah. In this case, I think maybe more, you know, when it, even when it happened, I was like, maybe that was the right thing. You know, maybe it was, maybe it was meant to be. You kind of talked, you've talked, <clears throat> definitely talked about it. And I think almost to, it, it seems like at least in print, it comes across sometimes as almost being insistent, insistent. Um, but how this record, The Glass Passenger, to you kind of seems like, the final chapter. You, you close the chapter, I should say. Yeah. And you're like, you're done with it. You're done with the... You've put the the, the struggle... You can say it. The cancer. Le- yeah, <laughs> you know, with the leukemia. I mean, you've, yeah, you've no, put no, it no. behind you. And, you, and, and you, you're mm-hmm. like, I'm not even taking medications anymore. I stopped that. You know, yeah. it's like, I'm done. Um, and though you continue on with your philanthropy um, uh, and... And to raise money for awareness right. and and for the um, foundation that you have, it's it's like okay, this is past. So now, since your music is so therapeutic and you pour so much of your heart into it, um, how am I ever going to make a good record again? <laughs> <laughs> is this the question of the of the of the month now or it's, something? You know, it's it's not. You know, I was talking I, to Anthony Green about that. It's just like. He's so happy, and it's just like, so where's the pain, dude? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it, I think like anything and like any person, you're, you know, your, your, your day-to-day struggle is so relative, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, and yes, I've, you know, this, the glass passenger in a lot of ways closed the book on it. I mean, there's still this back catalog of, of really good material that yeah. didn't get recorded or did get recorded and didn't get released that I think, you know, as as we move forward eventually with the, uh, with the Dear Jack documentary, once mm-hmm. it eventually, once it eventually comes out, I think that, I think, you know, truthfully, probably some of the more crushing and more of the, more of the, the dark side of, of what I saw in that will probably surface and people will probably get one last window into that just because I think there are a lot of songs I left off the table because, it, you know, for me, 
you know, and, and, you know, there's a lot of arguments either way. And I, I had conversations. I did this interview yesterday with like a playboy.com of all people, you know, but it was actually really, ended up being a really good interview. And they, mm. you know, and they were, they were, you know, asking me about, you know, this very thing and why I left certain songs off the record and, and, you know, like that, that, you know, are sort of slowly emerging to be people's favorites. And I laughed. I was like, well, if you think about my history, it's like, you know, Constantine was never released on one of our records as mm. something corporate. And, and, and uh, you know, in the Everything in Transit stuff, Lonely for Her and and uh, uh, and uh, Last Try Arizona, which I think are two of the better songs recorded that are, were left off. And I, you know, sometimes I make choices that maybe, maybe aren't even the best for the sake of the album, but mm. but that, you know, I need these records for me to be, <clears throat> something that gets me through a period of time. And in a lot of ways, I have to actually shape them to reflect the potential for hope and the potential for, like you say, closing certain chapters of my life off, you know? Right, and, right. and, 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 and so there are certain things that, yeah, will, will I think emerge, you know, maybe not as, you know, and not as like, you know, in the same sense of like how Passenger or Transit were these full scale releases, releases, I think some of those things will, will appear. And then, you know, moving forward, I mean, I, I, I really, I, I think I've, you know, I, in a lot of ways have, have, this is actually cleared out so much that it's almost allowing me to finally be free to write again. You know, the, mm. the Passenger thing was, it was, it was, it was hard because it, it Writing that record was, you know, was in a lot. Was you know, not to be this tortured guy because I am, you know, I'm a pretty, mm -hmm. you know, I I find myself to I, I find my balance. You know, I definitely swing high and I swing low, but I do end up in the middle oftentimes. You know, but but it was a really torturous process. You know, both you know from an artistic level, from a business level. I mean, everything about it was was such was such a struggle. You know that. That I I think to have that out of out of the way I think for me is going to open up what could be a a, a a a new a new phase of writing that is freer and looser and more more stream of conscious and more you know and more open in a lot of ways and and you know yeah maybe it's not going to be about you know the 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 battle to sur to survive some sickness or reacclimate into a world after that but. You know, I'll find some shit to complain about. I always do. You know, you know. What I mean, I'll believe me. I'll, I'll, I'll access it somewhere along the way. I promise you that. So, and, if, yeah. so, 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 if, if, if Glass Passenger was kind of closing the chapter, and you, you're looking forward to kind of having that freedom to explore, um, and I don't mean to make this, you know, make it to cause this to be a detriment to no, the all. current tour Do or it. the current record, but or actually any show that people. But is there part of you that that when you hit that stage and you have to start singing songs that are about closing this chapter over and over and over again, do you still kind of feel um, a little bummed out that you can't move on? No, opposite. Like even during the set, it's of it's, the it's truthfully the op It's the exact opposite. It is the, it, you know. I, I, you know, an artist. I, I talked to a lot of different artists about how they, about how they, you know, what's their process on stage? Do they are they are they reaccessing the feelings that they felt when they wrote oh, a certain yeah, song? Yeah. Are they yeah, yeah. are they is it strictly performance or is there is there a pathos there for you? You know, and, and for me, it, it becomes totally different. You know, like a, for me, it's it's it becomes less about you know. I mean, there are moments where. 
where I will access something. You know what I mean? There are moments where it's like, oh shit, that really did take me back to that place. But those moments are, are few and far between, truthfully. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm a very emotive front person mm-hmm. in a lot of senses, but I think that a lot of that comes from, you know, what I consider this, this, this sort of intense connection to the base and to the kids that are at the shows. And I, you know, I should, you know, I always call them kids and I feel like it's almost disparaging, you know what I mean? But like, but to the fans that are in the audience, you know, it, 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 I think it's when the, the live thing is when it, it changes from being my story to being our story, you know? And, and, and I think in that sense, you know, in the same sense of like, you know, on this tour we're playing, you know, on on any given night we're usually playing like Cavanaugh Park from the old something corporate catalog, which mm. is a song that holds a lot. Of, I mean, is a, a very nostalgic song for me and a song that I wrote as a 16, 17 year old kid about growing up, you know, and I laugh. It's like that even still to some extent, it really is a very truthful representation to me about growing up 10 years later, you know, like, and I can still sing it as a 26 year old man versus a 16 year old, you know, high school kid and, and still feel very real and very honest about what I'm saying. I mean, granted there are songs, like if I were to play, if you see Jordan, I I don't think I could connect to a song like Mm -hmm. that right now, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but, but it doesn't, it doesn't, retread it as much as I think it celebrates it. You know what I mean? And, and, and with this material, you know, it's more about the idea that, that I can take it to an audience and sit there with that, that audience and actually look out and see in their eyes that, that it's something that they've latched onto, that Mm -hmm. it's something that, that maybe is, you know, maybe if, whether it just be like they had a good time with that song or they had a real emotional connection to that song or we're just out there, you know, having a dance party, whatever it is that right. that that, that, it, that it becomes about the, the group and the collective energy. And it's not really at that point about me as much, I don't think. So when you've been talking to those other musicians, those other singers, um, have you been able to kind of piece together for yourself kind of a rule of thumb where some musicians will burn out or they'll start getting too cynical. I think it's a, I think it's something that, that is so necessary for bands, especially as they get older to fight, you know, and it's really, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think you see it regularly. I think you see it. I think, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm not going to go into some sort of whatever on, you know, the yeah. people I talk to and what they say, you know. But you were talking about, like, being the odd man out in the last few days of, uh, last yeah. few months of something corporate. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I think there is, I think there is a tendency for, for artists as they get older and as they see young artists begin achieving and sometimes sometimes surpassing their successes yeah. or or matching their successes at a different age and 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 oftentimes you know that that comes with you know like a, a guy like me like I started out on the warp tour and and you know and I started out with something corporate and they were my high school band and our you know our chops weren't insane we weren't the best musicians on the road you know what I mean we had a thing that connected to kids and I think coming from that I sort of I sort of have, I I have the ability to forgive, uh, forgive on some level a lot of these bands that 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 rise quickly but don't seem to be able to pull it off live. You know what I mean? And I think there's a, I mean I think you know like let's get the elephant out of the room. There's a lot of there's a lot of bands that that you know 
you know, are 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 you know in you know are in the magazines that we read yeah, every yeah, day, exactly. and that and that and that we see on the tours that we go out on, that really don't pull it off. Mm-hmm. But coming from a band that at at points in my career, in early stages of my career, I was that band, and it's like and and I think. You really, know, you felt like at times you weren't pulling it off. I think absolutely. I really? felt, yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember being on you the were first classically trained. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, but you know, the, but being in a band and being an individual musician are two very different things, you okay, know. And I think, okay. and I, and I think, I think, uh, uh, you know, no matter how much training you have, a lot of times you get out and you play your first tours, and you're young and you're excited, and you come out with this fire, and it's so visceral, and then you know, there's this, there's this energy, and you're wired, and you're like, I'm on a stage, and I'm a fucking rocker tonight, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you, and you don't play well, you know, and a, and. And it takes a lot of times a young band a year or two to figure out the difference between how to perform and how to play and how to play your music and be a musician, you know? And I and I think there's a tendency for older musicians to look down on those artists who are who are hitting the stage for the first time, who are starting to see early success because their songs and the and the and the tonality of what they're saying and the connection that it's making to a generation, right. you know, doesn't necessarily connect or doesn't necessarily impress an older musician who's been doing it longer live, you know, and I try and be, I try and be as neutral as possible because, you know, it's easy to get cynical. It's easy to sit there and go, I can't believe that this band is huge right now. I just, I just saw them. I just saw that them play on TV and that dude couldn't sing and that guy couldn't play. And, and you <laughs> right. know, and, but, but you, but you have to understand that, like I said, it's like a lot of the, a lot of those bands are finding their voice through these amazing, these amazing outlets where, where, they can write a great song and they can get in the studio and put something together that all of a sudden people are connecting to. And I think music is about connection. And it's like, you know, like I said, I had moments in my career where I really wasn't wasn't playing up to my ability, where my band wasn't playing up to their ability. I remember my first Warped Tour was something corporate. I remember the monitor guy pulling us aside and going, you guys need to get better or you should go home. Really? Yeah. I remember being pulled aside. And, 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 and you what know... Were you, what were you not doing right? Do you remember? It was that. It was that... We were getting out on stage and we were so excited, you know. And it's like, and you know, and I'm no, I know kids will go back. They'll be like, "Oh, we saw your Warped Tour; it was amazing." But you know, and that, but that's right. the, but that's the beauty of it because you know, a lot of young, a younger audience connects to energy. I think a lot, a lot more often than they, than you know, what they see sometimes overrides greatly what they're hearing, you know. Yeah, and, okay. and and but but I remember it was the, a defining moment in my career where I sat down with my band and we sat there and we said, "Maybe he's right. Maybe we need." to to you know settle down for a second take a deep breath and start really analyzing our performances not whether or not the crowd got off but whether or not we actually played as good musicians today and mm-hmm. we sat down every day after that conversation and we sat down every day after every performance on the warp tour and we criticized what we did that did day you like analyze like a video of your performance. We would, yeah, we would, we would videotape it, or we would just, or we would just, you know, sit right. and have a conversation about what did you, you know? Well, I messed up in this section. You know, I'm having a hard time following you here. Got it. You know, and 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 all that. I mean, and granted, this is such a roundabout way to get to the, the point of the question, but I, but but I feel like for me, one of the biggest, not to say struggles I have, but something that I try and stay constantly aware of is like. I'm, you know, now where I used to be the youngest kid on tour, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not to say the oldest kid anymore, but, but I'm, I'm getting older and it's like, I love 
the fact that young fans still love my band, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I, and I love the fact that there are young bands who haven't been doing this for, you know, 10 years who are, who are rising to success and, 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 and yeah. yeah. And, 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 and becoming, and becoming famous in a lot of ways. That's how, that's how something corporate happened. It was, it, it felt like overnight to a lot of people. I mean, granted we were working for years before people found us, but, but the touring aspect and all those things, they locked in in the course of a year and a half or so. And we went from zero to a hundred in a very short period of time and had right. to learn in that period of time, how to become performers and how to become musicians that actually were worthy of playing on the large stages we were playing, you know, and it's, it's important, I think for anybody, whether you're a musician, whether, whatever it is, is to keep your cynicism in check and, and to, and to keep, you know, and to, and, and to keep your, your view of the world on par, you know, and, and, and relative to, to what's really going on in the world, not just, you know, I'm getting older and, 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 fuck all this new shit you know what i mean it's like because it's so common that that you know that that bitterness creeps in with age and i and i and i and and every day i wake up and when i have those thoughts i'm just like you know what whatever i'm gonna go put on i'm gonna i'm gonna go check out this new band this new thing that i'm hearing my friends say isn't cool or isn't this and oftentimes i find that i'm really impressed by some of that stuff (laughs) You know what I mean? That's it's awesome. like no, I mean, but it's true. You know, it's like because there is. You've gotten really into Megan Dia and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you know, there's the, you know, I find, I find like you know, the, you know, it's like, you know, and 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 not to call it out or make something, but it's like you know, I, you know, I remember in January I went on a, uh, uh, I sort of went on this little sabbatical. You know, I, okay. I I was in the middle of the glass passenger. I sort of just like lost my mind, and and the business of things started overwhelming the the recording process, and I was like, I I told myself I would never let the business of things overwhelm my creative process. Right. So I just said, yeah, from the something corporate days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, and I, and I, and I, and and so, and so, you know, whatever it was, January, whatever it was, oh, eight, oh, eight. Yeah. And I was like, you know, screw it. I'm getting in my car. I'm leaving. I'm getting out of town. You know, I think, I mean, I think we even talked about it in one of our interviews in the magazine and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, and I, I, I got on the road, I was going to see a friend and I, I, I split out of town and I just said, screw it, I'm leaving town. And I, uh, I ended up making my way across the country and I, uh, a good friend of mine who is printed my merchandise for years he had been talking he's like man i've always been trying to make the surf i've been trying to make the surf trip down to costa rica and nobody will go with me i'm like hey man i'm just bouncing around the country i'll meet you in new york let's go to costa rica you know what i mean i hopped on a plane we went to costa rica and and he gave me this record that i i don't know if it had been released yet but whatever and it was the metro station record Mm. you know and and uh and i loved it you know what i mean and i (laughs) it was it was before there was this before the whole buzz kicked, it was in before there, there was this buzz about it or whatever, and it was like, it was like, wow, these are these kids are writing really good pop songs, and these yeah. are like, you know, and there's this thing, and you know, and, and I and I, you know, there and I and and there are there are people in, in you know that I that I meet on a day to day basis that if I say that to, will will kind of be like, you know, will kind of look at me like, you know, maybe I'm not hip or something because you know I think there's sort of this tendency when things blow up quickly or quickly gain steam to you know to to all of a sudden try and discredit it, you know? But it's like, I couldn't take away from those kids that I, I put on that record. And I was like, 
these songs sound good to me. This mm. is, you know, like, I, and, and the, the, there's a level of craftsmanship here that you don't hear out of the age range that the, 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 those, right. those guys are, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and, exactly, and, it, yeah. and I, you know, in a lot of ways, coming from a band like something corporate who is heavily criticized, you know, and like, you know, I can't even believe that I, I'm sitting here and like, you know, there are magazines like Rolling Stone who will give my, my band a good review. I mean, you know, Alternative Press, I mean, for a while I felt like something corporate was pretty much invisible you know what i mean right, and, right, and, right, and, right. and nobody really wanted like something corporate was sort of like i felt like a lot of people other than the fans really were in the mood to just say screw those guys they're just this you know punk band, piano punk band i'm like i don't even know what punk music is i don't even listen to punk music <laughs> you know like and I, I i just think people need to stop for a second and take a deep breath and decide to like what they want to like because they like it or don't like it and not and not make all of their decisions based on the influence that they get from 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 outside sources you know what i mean it's like if you don't want to like something just make sure you listen to it first you know what i mean make sure you spend enough time with it to make your own decisions you know and 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 i and i think that that was something i was i was subjected to early on in my career it was like wait a minute i don't even feel like like when people would be like something corporate is a p piano punk rock band you know and at any time that somebody wrote that in a review i was like well clearly you haven't listened to the record because i like what i know of punk music is definitely there's not a right. there's not a, a shred of it in right. a something corporate record this is the casualties dude right? yeah it's like you can you can call i mean you can you know whatever it's like we were on drive through but it was like right, you right. know pop punk maybe yeah, most. yeah yeah but it's yeah. like but it's like but but was there really anything punk rock about what i was doing? i was like i was always like i don't i i've never I, i've never even heard a punk record at that point you know and i was like i was like how could i be a genre that i've never listened to you know and and it became clear that people will oftentimes just regurgitate the shit that is fed to them right. by whether it be media outlets or 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 their friends or you know whatever it is and it's like i think just it's it's important to, to keep that in check one more little bit on that cynical thing because uh, i was going to ask about this later on but this actually fits so much better um because of your management relationships and stuff like that and uh you were able to work with and and obviously you've now become good friends with tommy lee but also with mick fleetwood yeah uh on that john lennon uh, on god yeah and uh, uh so and i read a couple of things about you know your your you know your initial thoughts on them and working with them and stuff of like that, but, um, but I am kind of curious as to what you learned from them and how, and if any of it really applies to, you know, becoming an older musician and things have just changed now. I mean, the, the industry's changed, and you know what I can say, like because looking at you in speaks... that video for God, it's yeah. like you're so young, and you know, Mick Fleetwood is what he's in his fifties, late late fifties. It's and it's maybe like you know, for me, you know, those 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 two connections, in a lot of ways, I mean, speak exactly to the point that we're talking about right now. You mm -hmm. know, it's like Tommy Lee. You know, here's a guy that you know state of arrested development you know what i mean right. <laughs> he, he he accessed he accessed superstardom at the age of 17 now nothing's ever changed for him right in that sense you know and it's beautiful because he has a pa the same passion for music that any 17 year old kid i ever met does you know what i mean and and it's not and it's not narrow 
he you know like he loves he loves everything you know what i mean such a wide array of music and 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 to sit in a room with that guy and and listen to music is one of the most inspiring things you'll see because he is i mean if you've ever met tommy i mean the dude is on 11 100 percent of the day and it's like <laughs> and he just and he's just he, he like you know when, when when i would bring new tracks into the studio with with, with tommy and i play him for him and he and you would and he liked it and you could tell he liked it i mean he would just get up and he would just you'd see him jumping and just like oh man and you get to the hook and be like oh my god you know he would just be so fired up and you know in a lot of ways i mean and you know not the same not the same level of you know whatever but with mick it was it was the same thing it was like here's a guy who is you know not only a you know a, the founding member of one of my favorite bands of all time mm -hmm. but also happens to be one of the most innovative drummers in history and and i know and it's not really arguable i mean if you listen to if you listen to fleetwood mac records it's like he's not playing straight time like 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 drummers were playing mm -hmm. even in that era like i mean he's like what i would consider maybe the most lyrical drummer that i've ever mm -hmm. that i've ever worked with and 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 you know working with with mick on that god track it's like you see a dude who yeah i mean he's an older musician but who is going for it mm -hmm. you know what i mean and 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 like and and the way that he plays it's like you do not know the next hit that's coming out of his body. You don't know what you don't know what he's going to hit next. You just don't. It's like you think he's going to go to the snare on the one or that. You know, no, he's not. It's like he's 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 going for this fill, and it's like and and it was so it was so radical from the sense just to watch him play for one, mm -hmm. you know. But then to watch him come out of the studio and what we thought would be kind of like. Hey, you know, I'm Mick. Nice to meet you. I'm going to come in. I'll play this track and whatever. Right. I'll see you later. Yeah. He came in, you know, we, we opened a bottle of wine. We started mixing the track and, and, and it became this whole other thing. And all of a sudden it was like, he, we were making music with Mick Fleetwood. You know, he was in the room and he's, and he's, and he's like, you know, I think, you know, what if, what if we tried putting, what if we tried putting the, the room mic over here? I mean, I'm, 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 when, you know, when, when, when you know, you send somebody out and somebody's playing the drums, like, I'm here in a sweet spot right over here. Let's put a mic up over here. And, and then, and then it was like, we, we'd spend, we'd spend hours working on the track. And then he got up, he's like, okay, well, you know, it's been a pleasure. You know, we'd, we'd had this, you know, he's telling us amazing stories and he's just, and there wasn't a jaded bone in his body. You know, it was like he was he was excited to be playing with our band. And it was like that to me was just like, wow, what an honor. Like that I'm sitting here with this man I, I really do idolize and have just an amazing amount of hero worship for. And you can tell that he's having fun playing with my band, you know, <laughs> and 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 then. And then, blow, did that blow your parents away that you were playing with Fleetwood? Yeah, Fleet, I mean, Fleetwood? it, it blew, I mean, blew everybody <laughs> you know, away. You know, people like, next door telling the neighbors and the people at work saying, my son, he's... Yeah, I mean, it's weird. It's been this kind of creeper thing that, like, you know, when it came out, I think a handful of people recognize it, but it's been one of these things that over the years, as more people really, they're like, whoa, those dudes got in the studio with McFleetwood? But it was like, <laughs> he walked out of the studio twice, you know what I mean, to go to his car to go, and would come back in. I was like, dude, I have this other idea. You know, like, I mean, he, you know, it's like that to see that it's like, 
you know, all I want to do is be, you know, be in that's, you know, in my, in my life, be in that position. It's like, maybe, you know, the industry isn't, isn't permitting of bands to, you know, go sell 20 million records right. a, like it used to be. And maybe that era is done, but there are these guys and my heroes and the guys that I look up to both musically and, and business wise, guys like Neil Young and Bob Dylan and Tom Petty and, mm-hmm. and, and Mick Fleetwood and, and these kinds of people who, who, I think I've found a way to consistently put out good music. I mean, it's even if you listen, you know, if you listen to new Neil Young records, he still makes good records. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And he and he does it by 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 just accessing that place in himself and and not and not being afraid of his fan base, not being afraid of whether or not it's going to be on the radio and things like that. And it's like, you know, I have to look to guys like that, and I've been blessed to actually have gotten a chance to actually encounter and just talk to and and play with some of these guys and and learn from them and 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 you know it, I, it's informed my perspective in a way that I, you know I feel really blessed to have gotten those opportunities. It's always nice to be able to not have to care. Well, you know, it's not a, and, and you know when <laughs> you I know say I mean? not care, I think it's you know you, it, you don't care about the business end of it as much. Well, yeah, I think yeah, it's no. important to it's important to 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 make what you care about your art form. You know what I mean? Right. And to make what you care about, you know, what you care about and not not feel like you're constantly having to tailor your your creative process and the things that run through your mind into some into some paradigm that's going to to sell you best and 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 make you more of a brand or make you more of a thing. I think the best kind of brand any musician can be is an honest brand and one that's able to falter even you know because because faltering felt right at that moment you know because sometimes it's going to happen um we take two song breaks we're going to take one right now and um i'm just going to throw uh, a, a scenario to you and then you pick two artists okay one song for each artist uh, that applies to this scenario um you you, you kind of you mentioned it you know you you're heavily influenced by tom petty you love tom petty mm. big billy joel fan uh, uh, you've, you've done, uh, Dylan covers, things of that sort. So thinking of, of the music that you grew up listening to, um, give me two artists and, and a song by each that you think were the most influential in your, wow. that, that, that. You know, because music critics, yeah, <laughs> they'll they'll put their own theories on. Yeah, yeah, of but, course. But but if you could write your own Wikipedia entry and sit there and say, and it's heavily influenced by, what would be the two bands, the two artists, two songs? Well, I guess I mean I guess I would have to go. I mean, if you're gonna you know to take you know take those monumental moments, I suppose mm-hmm. you know the moments where. Where things change. Can I pick three just to be just to be go whatever? For it. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. counting crows because you're also yeah. yeah that's the, I was huge. gonna I was yeah, gonna go there too. Well, I mean, it's like you know, in the early stages, you know, it was like when when I started playing, my parents, you know, it was like were a huge source of what sort of you know fed me my music. I'm gonna give you four just to throw. <laughs> <laughs> like, but but I'll say like like very influential. You know, like. Uh, um, you know, and not even that this this artist particularly as a as a as a whole was a huge influence. But I think right around the same time that I was discovering piano and mm. and and starting to play, uh, Bruce Hornsby and the Range. That's just oh, the, yeah. that's okay. just the way it is. 
uh, came out. And that was one of the first songs I learned on the piano, uh, you know, by ear after I had started writing my own music. That would be that would be one that, I, in a way, I mean, you know, still to this day has like, you know, his motion, his like, you know, you know, two to three finger, da 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 da. You know, like I do a lot of that stuff, and it's like that's because it's like one of the first things that clicked with me as a as a as a as a musician. You know, that's one sort of on the on the side. Billy Joel was was monumental uh for me though i mean i would say that was the first artist when i was a piano player you know i got the elton john records and they blew me away but then the billy joel greatest hits thing came to me and uh if i had to pick a song off of off of the you know off of a uh, uh off of you know those greatest hits records that i got initially i would probably have to say like good night saigon Mm. I would probably say Goodnight Saigon had had one of the biggest impacts on me. Wow. Um, uh, I remember actually being here in in, in Cleveland. Uh, it was where I saw my very first concert. It was at the old really? where, where the Cavs. Is that when you, came, Cavs you came up from Bexley? I came up from Columbus. Yeah, from Bexley where I lived. I was in fifth grade. It was my very first concert. It was a year after I had started playing the piano, and I saw I saw Billy Joel. It was my very first concert. My parents bought me tickets for Christmas. Yeah, where was uh, that? Blossom? Uh, wherever the Cavs were playing in... in Coliseum. A, yeah, wherever they were playing, I guess it would have been in like... I was in... It was indoor? I was in fifth grade. It, I was indoor. I was in fifth grade. It was dead of winter. And uh, so I guess it was probably 1990... God, some early 90s somewhere Maybe in there. Coliseum or it was uh, or it was the the uh, convention center here. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, was, so yeah, I guess it's probably like 94 some, somewhere okay. in the 93 yeah, yeah. 94 somewhere in there. Maybe 95 some somewhere in that range. And uh no no, no it was a little earlier than that. Yeah, probably 93 somewhere in there. And uh and I I mean that song had always been a, I mean it always moved me, but I remember like the awe of of seeing a stage production of that level and hearing a song that I, that just, that just had already moved me so much. It's about a subject matter. Like I had, how was I to understand the Vietnam, <laughs> right. the Vietnam war and all these right. things, but it's like, that's the, the power of music is the ability to connect. I mean, that a kid in fifth grade is being moved by a song. That's a, it's really a story about war mm -hmm. veterans and, uh, uh, and, and, you know, they've got the, the, the helicopter sound and you, you see the, you see the lights swirling up top. And as a fifth grader, I think they hired a helicopter to go <laughs> hit the top of the Coliseum, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, and 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 then the, the whole road and the whole road and the whole road crew comes out, and we will all go down together. And I, I mean, massive for me. So you know, so good night, Saigon, Billy Joel. Um, you know, then then you know, if you're gonna go to Counting Crows, I'd say uh, around here probably. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah. Saturday Night Live, Counting Crows, one of the first bands I ever discovered on my own. You know, wasn't fed to me by my my older brothers or sisters or my parents or whatever. Saturday Night Live, I see them come out perform around here, and I knew at that moment it's like this is this is the kind of musician I think I want to be. You know, not you know not in every sense of the word, but in the sense that it was like. This guy is is saying is singing these words, and his band is great. But I but I, I I I feel like I understand him. I feel like I understood what he was saying, and I and I felt connected to him. And I think that that is you know that moment left such an indelible mark upon me because it became the thing that tied all of it back. I mm. you know it became that moment where it was like, 
I'm writing these songs already. I'm as a kid. I'm writing these songs that are about about you know my life and about my story. And I can tell very much that he's doing the same thing. But he found a way to to take his story, which is so much different than wherever I've been, and 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 just level me, you know. And I, and I lived with that record for a year and never listened to anything else for that year, probably. You mm. know. So uh, there's that, and then uh, you know we can get into the when I first discovered that first Ben Folds record on Caroline, which was which was you know sort of the you know the next big next big leap. But, which song? Uh, Alice Childress. Okay, All right. Alice Childress. Yeah, I remember that was the that was the first one that I was you know just that you know some summers in, in the evening after six or so I walk on down the hill maybe buy a beer think about my friends sometimes i wish they lived out here but they wouldn't dig this town i mean it's just like wow like what a power you know the the idea of comparing a, the, the idea of coupling a powerful visual you know w- with with an with a with a, an idea of nostalgia or whatever but without forcing some some over emotional bullshit down your throat you know what i mean like but just saying like but just painting the picture right. it's like you know it's nighttime i'm gonna go down the hill and grab myself a beer i wish i miss i miss my buddies you know and it's like and i just i remember hearing the first time i heard those words and just going like yeah i think that i'm changed again you know
passed the law in 64 To give those who ain't got a little more But it only goes so far There's a law don't change another's mind When all it sees at the hiring time Just the way it is Some things will never change That's just the way it is That's just the way
Just about the front door like a ghost into a fog Where no one notices the contrast of white on white And in between the moon and you the Angels get a better view of the crumbling Difference between wrong and right Well I walk in the air Between the rain through myself and back again Where I don't know Maria says she's dying Through the door I hear her crying Why, I don't know Around here We always stand up straight Around here Something radiates Maria came from Nashville with a suitcase in her hand She says she'd like to meet a boy who looks like Elvis And she walks along the edge of where the ocean meets the land Just like she's walking on a wire in a circus Parks her car outside of my house and takes her clothes off. Says she's close to understanding Jesus. And she knows she's more than just a little misunderstood. She has trouble acting normal when she's nervous.
Bexley, Ohio, where you were for a couple of years, fifth, yeah. sixth grade or so. Fifth, sixth, and seventh grade. And yeah. seventh. Yeah. Um, Governor's Mansion's there. That's pretty mm-hmm. much what it's known for. Larry Flint yep. lived there for a while. I didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So, um, and that's is it? Was it there that you started picking up the piano, or was it in Pasadena? It was in yeah. I lived in a uh, a town outside of Pasadena called La Cunada. Okay. Um, and my. Uh, you know, my parents had, had moved out there for, uh, you know, uh, a couple of reasons. My, my dad was always, my dad was in retail when, when we grew up. He, uh, I was wondering uh, what he did because you guys moved three times. A lot of people assume that we were military, you know, but, uh, oh, no, right. yeah, but, but no, my dad was in retail actually. I mean, from ages, you know, zero to, to, I guess it would be 13 or so. I, I think we moved about five or six times. Oh, and wow. I, so there's other cities. Yeah. I was thing. born in Massachusetts. Right. Moved to Jersey. Um, moved from Jersey to Chicago, uh, and then towards and my and my dad was with uh the Blooming with Bloomingdale's oh, at, right. that, at that point and was just opening new stores. He opened the store in Chicago, and then uh, uh and then eventually he changed he changed jobs and and then my my mother's brother got sick hmm. and um you know in in our last years in Chicago and that was sort of the heyday of my family you know like my family hmm. we were living in the North Shore suburbs we were, oh, it was, yeah, it was yeah. sort of a period of time where my family had had done really well and and I, like I, Will Met and all those guys uh, yeah we li- we lived in Winnetka yeah we uh, actually Winnetka. I actually li- you know lived uh yeah lived lived you know sort of in the heart of that you know Uber sort of wealthy kind of whatever and that was my I spent my early years sort of living that kind of lifestyle you know and and then uh, uh and then uh, sort of this this period of time happened in my family history where you know the loss of my mother's brother it had this insane impact on on our whole family and mm. and and we moved uh we moved out. You know, my dad, my dad found a, a, a different job with a different uh, retailer, and we moved out to to Los Angeles. I think largely to to sort of be close to to you know my mom's brother before he he passed. And, okay, and, right, and, okay. And and you know, I mean, I was a kid, so to to be able to say all of the reasons why everything happened, I would have right. to you know dig in further with my family, you know. But 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 you know, also to be there, I think with with my my mom's family who's all on the west coast and as they were sort of dealing with this you know this tragedy and mm-hmm. uh, uh and you know so you know i was i was sort of a now a this a west coast I mean, this east coast midwest sort Transplant. of mud transplanted yeah. into into the west coast for the first time and and uh uh you know and 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 that was sort of it was sort of there you know as a I think we moved into this this house, and I talk about it. if you if you get the the new record, the Glass Passenger. There's sort of this very sort of a uh, cool short film that we oh, did yeah, yeah, around film, it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah Choke, the, California. Choke California, which actually sort of digs into a lot of this story itself. But but uh, um, but yeah, we lived in this really bizarre, dark house, and and it was it was in the weeks following my 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 uncle's passing that the yeah, I had learned a handful of chords on the piano from a, a, a new school friend, uh, father who was a, like a weekend the musician, Jerry Lee Lewis song? the Jerry Lee Lewis, yeah. Yeah, a whole lot of shaking that, going that's on. That's true. Yeah, it's true. Absolutely true. Yeah. He was, uh, uh, of fire? Yeah, uh yeah. no, it was a whole lot of shaking. Going a whole lot on. of shaking. Yeah. yeah. yeah, right, yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and I, I was the first time I had sort of merged the idea of like, you know, being a young kind of like poet, kid an arty kid i wasn't ever really a very a good athlete or any of that you know it's kind of this this pudgy little you know like uh, outgoing 
artist little kid. So you you're know? kind of a nerd. You like wore suits a lot or something like that, or well, when it? I was a kid, yeah, I was, was like, it like I mean, school uniform time. No, no, I was a I was a really bizarre child. Like yeah, a kid I, always wore a sweater. I always yeah, wore a sweater when I, I was in elementary school. Yeah, I mean, I no, I I I, I mean, the, I I went through phases. Fashion's always been a really bizarre thing for me. Like when I was when I was uh, you know up till the age of four, I insisted upon wearing neckties or bow ties everywhere i i yeah i mean i swear to god yeah to suspenders some therapist I, I think out there right I, now is really thinking about well I, I think I, you know it's like i really i think i really looked up to my dad who was a who was okay. a who was a who was a businessman and he uh, uh you know and he always he always looked so sharp going to work and i and i think i wanted to i wanted to be that you know mm -hmm. and i i think the first time i put on a pair of blue jeans is after i after it was like in kindergarten after i uh, heard the uh, um, the the bad album by Michael Jackson. Okay, I think that was the first time. And then I was jeans and penny loafers, but sometimes I wore sunglasses inside. <laughs> um, you know, and and, and yeah, and so I've I've always sort of had like you know just this very rigid style in whatever era it was you know and i still i mean you know you still do i mean you see you see me wear the same shit every day pretty much <laughs> you know what i mean like um you know, but getting back to wherever I don't even know where we were actually. We were, we're, we're, we're on the uh, actually, here, 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 I'll give you something. Yeah, round me out. Get me yeah, back to it. <laughs> but yeah, you know what I mean? Like, we'll get you back on the plantation yeah, for a second. Yeah. Uh, so how did you not get wrapped up in the California sound? Well, I mean, well, first of all, because I, you know, because uh, we, we, we came out and we were, school. and we were, we were out there and we were there for that. I mean, well, I like, oh, we were talking about the moving thing. So yeah, we yeah. did, we did the lock and yada thing. And we were out there and that's where I picked up the piano. I get, I think that's where this right. question okay. began. That's where I picked up the piano and I spent a year writing songs and, and doing all that. And then, and then followed my dad's next job back to Ohio. Okay. And that's when I came back. So we had a year on the West Coast. Then I was back in Ohio, spent most of the rest of my elementary school days and early middle school days in Ohio. And then in eighth grade, actually ended up, you know, uh, you know, a, a lot transpired in that period of time, you know, whatever, you know, I won't get into, but I, but I, but my family ended up moving back to the, back to California. Um, for your high school years, uh, yeah, and 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 eighth eighth grade was you know my first year. I lived in Huntington Beach. I was a, at that point, you know, it was like you know I think the, the sort of the heyday of my my family sort of w wealthy years had had, had mm. sort of run dry, and I was you know living uh, living at my aunt's house, and and uh, uh, you know I think it was probably the first time that I the reality you know like mm -hmm. as a young kid where all of a sudden it was like waking up to real life, you know what I mean? Like, okay, like, you know, these things that you're given, you know, can just as easily be taken, Temporary. you know? And I, and I, yeah. and I, and I learned that a couple times early on, you know? And so, and so then I was out there on the West coast, but I think I was largely a Midwest kid in the West coast, you know? And, and I remember showing up to, uh, you know, eighth grade with my, with my, you know, my, 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 my socks crinkled down onto my high tops and my shorter shorts and my, you know, and my whatever that West near that Midwest fashion was and showing up and just being mortified as every kid was wearing airwalks and had their, their socks hiked up to their knees and had their pants sagged down. And I was just like, Holy shit! How am I going to survive this? You know what I mean, and and <laughs> right. and, and and I think it largely it, it kept me insular in a 
a way, you know, and I ended up making friends and ended up sort of having this, you know, lo- made a lucky connection with some very tough kids in, in that, in smart. that town. Very smart. It was weird. I got adopted by, Get the by bodyguards. yeah, it was, I, I, you know, I think because I was this, this sort of anomaly of a child in this, in this weird town. And I, and I, I made a couple bold statements as a as a as a eighth grader you know in the course of being kind of picked on i i sort of stood up and 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 held my middle finger up to a couple of like uh bully types you know in a, in, in in the very early stages of eighth grade and i had this this one kid uh who who was witness to that happening and he just sort of like grabbed me and put me under his wing. And this is he's, he was listening to like, you know, the Descendants and Mephiscopheles and like, you know, and like, you know, like shit that I could never even begin to wrap my head around. And I was going, you know, and I was like this kid who listened to Billy Joel going to like garage punk concerts where people were just beating the shit out of each other. And, you know, like, like literally eighth grade, like punk rock bands. Like, and I, anyway, and it was, and, and I never liked the music. I mean, it was never interesting to me, but it was like, I somehow like, I couldn't write a skateboard so i got a bmx bike and and i was the kid who filmed the skate videos you know what i mean and i was like you know and it was like really i really got caught up in this bizarre shit you know what i mean like but eventually eventually we found our way uh, you know my my family got back on their feet and we found our way to uh um, to dana point where i ended up doing high school and i think where i i really found my true nature and was able to finally kind of be who I was. I, it was a, it was a much more forgiving town. It was a sort of a, a you know sort of a surf you know surf town, a laid back surf town atmosphere where I think I realized that you know the West Coast was really in my blood and 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 you know and I started developing from there. But I think I largely missed what had become the West Coast sound and the no doubts and you know and right, right. And, and 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 a lot of those bands. Well, especially being in high school, I mean, it's so easy to get influenced to kind of want to fit in mm-hmm. to be accepted and, and to kind of fall into the uh you know in, into into the 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 philosophy the musical philosophy well and the bands that were the bands that were hitting at that point it was just they weren't bands that i could even begin to emulate because i played piano you know and it's like it was you know it was a, it was an era where it was like the idea of playing a piano in a band just didn't exist so i mean i was sort of intentionally forced to gravitate towards towards other artists just because I, I couldn't, you know, you, covering a Blink song on the piano just didn't really do the trick, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, I think that's why I sort of ended up getting exempted from some of that stuff. You know, I ended up liking bands like Third Eye Blind and Semisonic and, and uh, you know, and, and, and more obscure artists like this band Lincoln that I became really into when I was in high school and some other, you know, and some other kind of stuff. And then finally Ben Folds and Weezer was huge for me, Green Day, I mm-hmm. love. You know, stuff like that was what I started really gravitating towards. You know, um, you were you in a couple of interviews. Um, you've talked about um, the early days of something corporate because you guys started like late high school, sixteen, seventeen years old. Yeah, I mean, roughly. The f- yeah, the first ver- the first inversion of something corporate, which included Clutch, my bass player, and Brian, my drummer, was a band called Left Here, which right. was my right. sophomore year of high school. See, I was fifteen. And then, uh, you know, we, we practiced like four or five times just so we could play a battle of the bands and we did and we won the battle of the bands or whatever, but it was never something that we, that we, you know, it was never something that we pursued after right. the, after doing the battle of the bands thing. We and then a year later, the battle of the bands came up again and I had met Josh, um, mm-hmm. I had met Josh, uh, Partington who 
it was the guitarist and second songwriter for something corporate and um and we really clicked because i think he you know he like me was sort of searching for something beyond what had become the typical high school rock band which was more or less either a, a version of what Blink was doing, and not to just—I mean, I, I'm, right. a, I'm a Blink no, fan, no, no, no. but right, it was right. just like that was just all kids wanted to be at that point. Right, and he, was, and he was, and he was, yeah, yeah, and, and and he was listening to you know Stevie Ray Vaughan, and he was, he was, you know, he he had a lot of guitar idols, and 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 he was invested in you know, and 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 obviously the early what had what eventually turned into what became what was called the emo scene and mm. in the Get Up Kids and Jimmy World and, right, right. and Saves the Day and bands like that. And I think we we sort of found common lines in that because we were looking for I think you know more melodic bands that were that were that were trying to make I think more emotional connections to their to their artists. You know, and I you know uh, I think unfortunately that stuff got branded you know uh, you know as this emo thing and, right and whatever but but those were you know those were artists that i think we really lined up on and th that was sort of what inspired me to start something corporate was that meeting with josh and then i brought the other guys in and we had another guitarist at the time and sort of that was sort of our rhythm slot sort of became this revolving you know revolving door for the this length of time that we were playing together i'm always fascinated um <laughs> I'm always fascinated by the first projects that an artist puts out, and there's an EP that you had done. It was a four-song demo. It was just your. It was self-titled. Oh God, Jesus! It was like a '99, right? Exactly. That's usually Woo! what they say. It's usually what they say because and and and, and <coughs> mm. do you know if that thing is? Are there copies of that still going around, or was that just something you handed out to like family and friends, or what was that? I think I may. I think we maybe. You know, you had to, like the, you had to do a run of. I think a thousand or oh, something, like you know, when, you know, do like at a, yeah, like a whatever, whoever produced discs. I mean, that's that. And I mean, strangely enough, that is definitely not the first thing I've recorded. And if I, if you, I mean, I started, <laughs> I started doing demos when I was 10. I mean, I, if you heard the, uh, the Garden of Eden demo by Andrew McMahon at 10 years old, you might be really blown away by the stuff I was up to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. There's some stuff for a special release at some point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, I mean, there's, I mean, I, I, I actually re recorded up that, up to that point. I think, I think the one that you're talking about was, was, uh, uh, I don't know if you is it the one with the artwork of me like you know like I never saw it okay. I've just read about it or heard about this thing yeah it was this thing I mean it was this thing I, I basically a guy who 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 worked in the theater department uh, at my at my uh, at my school had some you know very very sort of a, a simple and and unevolved uh, <laughs> home recording equipment um, but he was he was uh Real to real, right? No, no, no. I mean, it was like er, like early, uh, you know, it was like early versions of like probably Nuendo or okay, yeah. or whatever, you know, whatever, very, or you know, very, very early versions of digital recording stuff, you know, like, um, you know, and and and, you know, he he sort of like he led the band during the high school musicals and things like that, you right. know, like uh, and and he, you know, he knew that I was that I was always writing and i was always kind of the kid you know my freshman year of high school the kid in the in the theater department who was you know i'm far more interested in sitting and playing the piano and getting a bunch of kids to gather around and hear the songs that i was working on than than actually being in the theater at all <laughs> and, and um you know at one point we had a discussion and he's like 
you know, I have, you know, I have some gear in my house if you ever wanted to, you know, do something, you know, uh, you know, and, and just start learning how to record, you know, I, you know, and, and he was, you know, he was a, you know, church going dude and, and I had done, and, you know, about kidnapping. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, no, he was, but he was, you know, he recorded records for his church and for things like that. And, and, and I, you know, and, and I, uh, and, and so, so we sort of, uh, you know, we sort of got, got together, we would get together, you know, once every week or two and, um, and, you know, put these tracks together and he brought in a drummer that he played with to play on it. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's like the first version of Drunk Girl is on that EP. There's a, uh, uh, there's a, the first version of Airports, uh, which became a, you know, early something corporate kind of standard. Um, and then, uh, 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 a song called Spin, which ironically I have a song called Spinning on this new record. Um, and then... Uh, Not related. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, uh, there there was some intention to to, to self-referencing that it, to some extent when I, when I, when I wrote it, but, or to referencing it, uh, I should say. But, uh, uh, but yeah, and, 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 and yeah, it was definitely not, <clears throat> it's not like, you know, obviously in retrospect, it isn't my pride and joy. It ended up becoming the uh, sort of what, what something corporate would sell at shows. It was really like a solo, you know, a solo thing, but I brought, you know, Josh ended up, Josh ended up playing guitar on it. Um, you know, and, and, uh, uh, and clutch, I think played bass on one of the songs as well. Um, so it was sort of the beginnings of mm-hmm. something corporate in the studio is the first time I brought anybody in, you know, from, from the band to play on stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's me very, I mean, me being very young and just learning how to, you know, learning what I was doing in a, in a studio, but it was just these home, it's kind of home demos. So these copies are still flying out there someplace? I mean, I'm sure they exist in certain places and I'm sure you can get them online easily. Oh, right. I mean, I would imagine, please, please don't, but I'm sure you could. Um, Yeah, there's a site called jacksmannequin.org. Uh, which seems to be a, a massive fan site for you. Yeah, they, uh, you know, they, they have tons. I'm sure they've of got unreleased things. I'm, I'm sure they've got it all. You know, I mean, yeah. it, 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 you know, for me, you know, whatever the past, your 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 past is your past. Like, there's always going to be things that you do to get to where you're going that you're not always. But that's be always the pl- best stuff. That's like that's where you start seeing the formation. Of Absolutely. When I mean, you know, know it's like I would never. You know, it's like I th- I I. I've, I've also met artists over the years who who try to disavow themselves from certain material that they've made, and it's like, you know, I've had moments where it's like that's not my thing anymore or whatever. But you know, it's to do this and to do it honestly, you you really have to be willing to take some risks and take some chances and put yourself out there in a mm-hmm. way, you know, like I think the bands that protect themselves too heavily in any stage, you know, a lot of times end up, you know, end up not going for it all the way. And it's like, sometimes you have to have a record where maybe three or four of the songs on the record aren't great to get those five or six that are great. You right, know what I mean? Right, and right, I think, right. and I, I think that's why I like the LP format because it's like, if you go for it, you know what I mean? You you have you have a shot at doing something really really substantial. You know. Um. Just to before we take another music break here, yeah. um, the uh, one of the things I kind of noticed uh, in uh, in some of your 
interviews is you know talking about the, the earlier days of something corporate and hauling putting the piano on a uh, motorcycle trailer yeah and hauling it around uh and you guys were the oddballs because you were the guy coming with the piano yeah true <laughs> before it became cool to have a piano and to be like in a screamo band with a piano um <laughs> is that is that cool i don't know I, I mean um. ask under oath um so um <laughs> So, uh, I uh, I guess is there something kind of pot? I mean, you cu- you you've mentioned how there there was pluses and minuses to being like the fresh band, like the new band with the new sound and the being kind of the unique thing. Yeah, I mean, well, would you recommend that to a lot of people? The kind of bands that kind of like find your. I, I don't. You know, I think I think don't do it because it's a gimmick. You know what I mean? If it's if it's you do it you know i mean the only reason we towed that piano around on a on a trailer was because it it was us it was it was you know it was the will of myself and of my bandmates you know to to do to and to be the most honest versions of who we were and you know and i didn't feel comfortable playing a keyboard i grew up playing a piano and i and i uh and I and I I don't know I don't know I don't know what it was I mean I can't pinpoint exactly other than the same way I feel about keyboards now you know it's like I've I've definitely gotten into synthesizers and analog synths and all that stuff over the course of these years but I've gotten in, but I've gotten into but I've gotten in, but but into the idea of keyboards that make other sounds you know like uh, there's there's something about i mean like we go do these acoustic shows for radio right and and things like that where we're playing the where we're playing the keyboard and it's like it isn't playing the piano you know what i mean (laughs) and it's like and it's an unfortunate thing i think for piano players you know and like we took so much shit early days like because we would show up to these clubs and we're you know the promoters aren't making money and stuff and we're lugging up this piano and they're just like you know, and I even like even at Bamboozle this year, I had some fucking asshole union guy go, couldn't you have brought a fucking keyboard? And I was like, I was like, you know what? I couldn't have. Thank you. Why don't you put that right there and shut up? You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, nobody asks a guitar player to go up and play air guitar. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's 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 not the same. And it's like, you know, to feel a hammer hit a string. And to feel, you know, and to feel the mechanics of a piano is a different thing, and it pr- causes you to perform differently, and it causes you to to react differently and respond differently to your instrument. And 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 it was just, it was just something. It wasn't, it was never even a question. It was like, you know, we 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 found the motorcycle trailer, we found the we found the straps, we covered it up with a <laughs> with a tarp so that we wouldn't really freak people out as we rolled down the highway and uh how many times did you almost a lose it off the back and b almost ruin it because of weather never never did we lose it we never lost it in a drive we were all i mean we were real responsible about it you know what i mean we we was you know it was never a day i mean it was never a dangerous thing although there was one time when we had to do a quick move out of the back of the house of blues um, in the early days when we had started, pl- you know, when okay. we had, we, we, we had expanded to the size that we could actually play a house of blues before we had gotten signed and we had to do a quick move and uh, the van took a turn and the piano went just 
tumbling off the side of it, you know? But you learn in those moments how sturdy that instrument is. And it's like for all you rockers out there, you know, amen to, to everything you play, but it's like there is no tougher instrument than a piano. I'll tell you that much. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying it sounds tough, but it, but it is I mean, those things are those things are built to last, you know. I've I've had I've had there 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 are towns I don't get the we show up to towns now we have to fly pianos in because towns won't rent me their piano because you know they've seen me jump on the, the <laughs> rental piano and I'm just like really? you have to understand it's you like have a reputation ahead of you oh it's horrible you know what I mean it's like it's like you have to understand it's like your piano is not being injured if I jump on your piano I promise you I do it with the utmost respect and if you if you notice a scratch or a nick or some sort of you know or that it doesn't work like it used to then get mad at me but until then understand you're you're dealing with a two thousand dollar or two thousand two thousand dollar two thousand pound piece of wood they don't you know they're they're made to last they're treating their their pianos uh, and their stock like like uh, those relatives of yours that like have all the living room furniture and they cover it up with plastic and they don't want you to sit on it yeah <laughs> yeah you know you I mean you know, it's like you know it's not it's not a it, it, you know this is not your grandmother's piano. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I, I mean, I, I mean, I've definitely, I've definitely tested mine and taken mine to the limits of what they're capable of. But at the same time, it's like they really, they really are made, made to last. <laughs> um, two songs. Uh, what, just so that those that are listening to this, because we have so many new readers and, yeah. and listeners and stuff all the time. So. I'm just going to assume that not everybody is that familiar with something corporate, and I'm going to assume totally. that they're just now starting to get into Jack's Mannequin. Okay. So why don't you give me the two songs from from each one of the bands that um, shows the differences in style that you think hmm. this is how you can tell the difference between the two? Wow. Okay. Well, that's it. I mean, that's interesting. That's an interesting question right there. I mean, you could go dramatic and be like, okay, like play Jordan and play like Bruised or something. You know what I mean? But like, I, I don't want you to play Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> you seem to have some animosity towards that song now. I don't have it. It's just, not. It's not like an, playing it anymore. It's not animosity. I mean, you know, just it's tired it's, of it. No, it's just one of those things. It's like you know, again, one of those moments. It's like you have to be. You have to. You know, it, it was a. I, I put it as a joke on an EP, and then you know, and then K Rock in LA decided to make it. A thing, you know what I mean? It's like, and, and you know, and, you know, it's what started, it's what jump started my career. So I, I could, I could, I could never be mad at it. But it was like one of those things where it's like, you know, you think about your history and you just go, oh my god, I can't. Sammy I really, Davis I really, Jr. was the same I, way about Candyman. Yeah, he, I mean, he, yeah, he I mean, hated that song. Well, it's just like you know, you just you Made know, millions. you know. So uh, um, kind of, and I'm just trying to like comb through like the the possibilities. I mean, you know, I think you can. I mean, God, if you really want to go for like finding very complete differences from the from the two i mean i guess uh i mean you do a song like you know like punk rock princess off of the leaving through the window record and then and then you know fast forward to like a song like annie use your telescope off of you know okay. off of you know the jacks record i mean i think you'll probably see some pretty apparent differences i suppose
All right, this is this is my pieces and parts one. I'm going to throw a bunch of different things at you right now. Okay. Um, I hear you're a fan of interior design. <laughs> it's just like all yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> out of yeah, left field on that one. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm, 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 a, I'm a fan of design in general, to be honest. Architecture I, I, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's. I mean, when I say a fan, it's like I'm. I'm not well studied. I'm a hobbyist. You and know what I mean? Admirer. Yeah, I, yeah, I am. I mean, I, I, you know, th- you know, through you know, owning my first homes and things like that. You know, like. I, I aesthetic is just something that that has become so central to my world. Even if you look at my, you know, the the records and the things that we're doing, even with mm-hmm. the glass passenger, it's like, you know, uh, vibe and aesthetic and 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 branding and marketing and 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 just the the way that you can piece things together visually to to emote. Of some sort of feeling is yeah is, is is become a huge thing. I mean, like I read, I you know, like I geek out on architecture books and and design books and and uh, and, and who's your, who's your guy? Who's your who's your architect? Oh, I mean, well, you know, like Geary. You okay. Know, uh, 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 if I'm I'm gonna totally botch, it's like I, I, is it Einrich? Is that how you, is that how you pronounce it? I don't know uh, architects. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, you know, the, you know, obviously Frank Lloyd Wright. I mean, you sure. know, the, the the obvious ones. And, and truthfully, like I said, it's like I'm I'm by no means well studied. I'm, just, I'm a hobbyist, but I love I love I mean I love I love modern design, and you know, and I and I and I and I, I I'm I'm just a, I'm a huge fan of the idea of of being able to take space and 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 convert it in into usable space and and the the least amount of space possible and making it function you know i just i i find that so fascinating and i think it's a it's a craft that not to say is lost right. these days but i and i think is reemerging but moving to los angeles and 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 you know seeing a lot of the modern architecture that exists there in Silver Lake, specifically where I live, yeah. and and it, it's really turned me on to this idea of and 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 now these new these new frontiers and in, in green uh, in green oh, building yeah, and yeah, things yeah. like that, that. Who knows that, what they're going to come up with? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a I think there's a you know smarter ways that we're going to be able to live in the future here that they're going to be a lot more efficient. I I love that. So if so. Considering that you you're admirer of it, and you, obviously you have a lot of ideas, and that you're always kind of like, wow, you know, if you could do that, you could try this, and that's a really great idea. How just real quick, if you could, how would you redesign a tour bus? Well, I would have like the whole back half would be for me, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, you know, and there would be a stripper pole, and you know. Uh, <laughs> There's a video of either it was an MTV thing or something like that where you did that. I was in a video diary and warp tour. You did a stripper pole thing out on the parking lot. Or did I? Oh God, yeah, that's not me. That's my that's my guitar player, oh, Bobby Raw. All right, all right, wasn't you? Know, yeah. Right. Um, I, how would I redesign a tour? You know, truthfully, I mean, I think I think they've I think they really have. I mean, I think they've really gotten tour bus design down to about as efficient as you possibly can at this point. I mean, we got. You know, like, I mean, you go on our tour bus now, and especially from where I started out to now, it's like, you know, I don't know that you could do it better than it's been done. <laughs> because it's like, we got 10 guys living on a bus, and I feel pretty comfortable every day. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know if I could do a better tour bus design. You know, you just make it look... I mean, you Well, could they have, always said that about flying. And look what Virgin Atlantic <laughs> did to their first class, and now they recline, and they're like beds. And then Amtrak took their things, and they make glass from the top to the bottom. It's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I'd have to put some thought into that one. <laughs> all right. Well, there's a, there's a there's a goal for the next time. Then all right. So that we're all right with that. Um, 
what about uh, just out of curiosity? Because I know I, I can I can because the, the, some of your fans are young fans are probably listening to this and they go and they're just get, they're they're just starting piano. Yeah, and you are classically trained. And I've like please please correct me if I'm wrong, but I that I read that they had brought in at times different types of teachers after a while that kind of had various backgrounds yeah i mean i well i mean you know for me i started I mean, i started being self-taught and then i sort of hit a wall and i actually was like one of the few dudes probably on earth that asked my parents for piano lessons you know and 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 i i started studying at a conservatory uh oh you did a, a capital oh. conservatory in in uh in bexley when the i'm capital when university I'm at, at capital university yeah yeah, yeah. um uh, with with this very you know, very stringent, uh, very uh, sort oh, no. of the taskmaster, master, Beatrice Eisringenhausen. Really? Was her name, yes. Uh, 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 <laughs> and, um, and I don't even know how I stayed into because I really did not like playing classical music. I did I didn't like it at all. But I but I, I think I knew inherently that the the only way I was gonna get better was to do that. And then, you know, and then there was this sort of window. Once when we when we moved when we moved uh, uh, from Ohio into my aunt's house when I in uh, in eighth grade, I sort of found myself drifting a little from the piano and then and then it gradually reemerged as I got into high school and and I and I and I really like um you know the, the, there was a teacher named Ray Woods in the choir department who 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 spent time with me and 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 would just sit with me you know uh, teaching me you know just different you know pentatonic scales and things like that thing okay. you know nuts and bolts kind of like how to you know how to how to uh, you know how to how to record charts and you know the kind of the more you know how to how to be a professional practical. musician yeah practical yeah. musician um and 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 this guy EJ Stanton who recorded that first uh, uh that that demo that we talked about earlier he sort of you know, gave me some intro introductions and influences into blues and other and other disciplines. And so, you know, I've had teachers like that over the years that have been more casual teachers who've kind of, you know, have kind of, uh, uh, you know, taught me the road to like maybe incorporating some of what I had learned in the classical world and, okay. and what I had learned and been self-taught and how to kind of bring that around to playing in bands and things like that. But I'll be perfectly honest, man. Like, you know, I, I you know, I, I do have you know I, i'm a pretty nuts and bolts piano player you know it's like my my classical chops are you know not to say forgotten but are are not close to what they used to be and i i do regularly you know find myself saying you know it's it's time to it's time to go back and study again you really? know and I, yeah absolutely and i and i and i'm and i'm hoping that i that i find the 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 fortitude and the willingness and the time to go back truthfully before I before I start working on my next thing or concurrently while I start working on my uh, next okay. thing to to continue to study. Wow, um, change the topics again. Yeah, I'm gonna throw it, throw it, hit me, hit me. Okay. Um, when uh, Craig Owens at Shiloh was in the hospital with a lung infection. Um, and he found that, uh, and he was in there for a while. When he got out, he found that it changed the way that he stood on a stage because he couldn't move a lot. He used to run all of his stage. He had to stand still wow, and know. hold on to the mic stand because he was so weak and lean a lot. And so it changed his performance style. Interesting. And now it's kind of shaped the way he is now. And I remember reading in one part where you said that when you were in the hospital, your lungs had shrunk. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, has there been any sort of like 
after effects from being in the hospital and going through everything you did that have changed your onstage performance as well that people can sit there and see and go, yeah, that's that's different or um, you've had to modify it all? You know, I mean, early earlier there, I mean, in the early stages there definitely was. I mean, there was mm. just, there was just a, there was a capacity level that I, you know, that didn't exist. There was, there was a good year or so there were my, you know, like, you know, like I, I laughed that like I, I needed my balls to drop again. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, you know, I know that sounds hysterical, but like, but, but like, uh, but no, it's funny. I mean, if you listen to like some of the early recordings I did, like on songs like the lights and buzz and, uh, uh some of the things that we did, you know, as I was being treated or immediately after I was being treated, you know, there's there's realities and whatever not to get too personal but just the realities of what I dealt with I mean you know you know I you know I, my testicles were radiated my 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 mm. the chemo drugs you know they they depleted my testosterone levels in a in a huge way you know there's 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 just simple fact of the matter sort of stuff that happened that like my voice was higher for for a number of months following my treatment and and my lung capacity was diminished and so my ability to to run the same stage program that I was running in the something corporate days, uh, uh, was diminished. But, but the reality is, is that with Jack's mannequin, it's a, it's much more of a, it's much more of a player's format than it, than not to say a performance format. I think we do a great job performing, but like, you know, with something corporate, there was so much less focus yeah. on the actual, and I, and I, I, and I don't mean this in a, in a negative way, but it was, it was much more of that, early sort of drive through era you know visceral right you know you know beat the shit out of the piano and 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 climb all over and i and i you know and uh, you know that really wasn't rooted as much in the aspects of musicianship and delivering the song you know as it should be performed live Making and i think I, and so I, yeah. I i think sort of you know that that actually didn't end up impacting me as negatively because I really am anchored to the piano during a Jack's performance a lot more so than I was during Something Corporate. We had two guitar players and regularly in those early Something Corporate recordings, the piano was actually mildly phased out of the out of the mix. So so there were moments, but now as it stands, I mean, I feel like truthfully in the in the past six or eight months, I probably. Have, I'm finding more energy on stage than I've found in in years, and 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 uh, uh, and it's and and I, and I feel less phased by it than ever. You know, we're playing longer sets, and I mean, we're doing an hour and a half to two hours a night now, which is like a a whole new a whole new world for me. You know, <laughs> so uh, uh, so no, I mean, I at this point, I I think that's actually. I mean, my voice has changed considerably since since the events, though. I mean, like it, it definitely definitely affected. In the long term, it affected my voice in a mm. big way. You know, mm. I, had to, I had to relearn how to sing. Really? Yeah, absolutely. You wow. know, it was a. Do you think you're strong? I mean, like I know uh, uh, Al Jolson in his last few years, right. in the 40s, uh, he had cancer and right. he took out one of his lungs. Oh. So that's why if you listen to Jolson in like about 46 forward, he died in 50, his voice is so much deeper now. But he, he actually Wild. liked it more. Yeah, no, I'm actually, I'm, I'm far happier with my voice. I mean, I think there's a combination of also growing, growing older too. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, your, your voice is going to develop and change and get deeper. You know, if you listen to those early Billy Joel recordings compared to, you know, compared to like fast forward for, you know, five, 10 years down the line from like when he started recording like Summer Highland Falls and early Billy Joel mm. stuff, you know, it was like sort of a similar thing, but a combination of the two. But yeah, I actually am far more pleased with my, my voice. Wow. Post, 
post uh, uh, the the ordeal than I than I than I was prior to it, to be honest. And last question. Um, this is a little bit fun. So if you're underneath the age of uh, 21, um, yeah. you, you have to plug your ears up. You never heard this from here. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Uh, pretty much when, whenever um, I think of uh, there, you've you've kind of. I mean, obviously you've become. You know, your name is synonymous with you know with with the kind of music that you do and the quality of music you do, and and you are also very quickly becoming iconic. It was interesting that you said that so many of the magazines and public and the media companies. Didn't really pay a lot of attention to something corporate, but now something corporate is revered. Revered. Yeah, it's bizarre, it's weird, right? right? Yeah, you know, Jesus. it's like, I know. and I and I sometimes wonder if it's because of the sickness and the illness is has now kind of caused the media to kind of put a put a thing on, yeah, like the sympathy vote or something. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, just, yeah, I mean, yeah well, it's you know, media loves drama, so no, you know, I know you know, it's so, true. So anyway, but the, but the, but the, my main point was was that. But the other thing that you kind of are, are uh, that it gets associated with you is is Jaeger. <laughs> And, um, this is hysterical, right? <laughs> cancer and Jaeger, the yeah, two, you know, so perfect together. <laughs> um, and 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 really, I've I've pretty much with with Jaeger, I've pretty much only done Jaeger bombs. That's pretty much all I've done. I, I, I drink yeah, I Sambuca. I can't, I can't drink Red Bull. There's just I just can't do it. Oh, yeah, okay, so, okay. Yeah. So 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 tell me, so give me a couple of Jaeger drinks here that you that you swear by that that like you can wake up the next morning and function somehow. Straight Jaeger. I, I've just only, straight I've up. only ever drank straight Jaeger. So you don't I mean, have any combos that you've learned on the road or anything or Yeah, I mean know? no, it's no it's and it's a funny thing. It's like a sort of this uh, and I it started in the it started in the latter something corporate days, you know, as we obviously, you know, sort of came of age and were, you know, whatever. Uh it, it, I, I think because I mean, what people don't realize it actually has a reduced level of alcohol compared to other hard alcohols. So, you know, you can, you, you know, whatever. You, you like, I, I, I'm not like one of these dudes. I don't go to the bar necessarily and just like pound Jaeger shots. You know, like I, I drink Jaeger like a lot of people drink scotch. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, like I'll put it, you know, I, you know, I'll put it in a cup and sip on it. And I don't, and I, you know, I don't know what it is for whatever reason. It, I can drink it. It goes down smooth. It get you know, it, it, and, and and you know whatever. I mean, it, it is what it is. it is. What it is. I think it's hysterical that our names have become synonymous with it. I, I, I you know, I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's something I should be like you know too too proud of or whatever. But but yeah, I mean, you know, it's like everybody's got their drink of choice, I guess. And for and for me, it's just like I don't like to drink a lot. Is the thing. It's like I don't like I, I like I hate drinking beer because it's like it fills my belly up and makes. Right. Me, you know, you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like I can. Whereas I can sip on some Jaeger and get a little bit of a buzz going, and kind of go through, you know, go do my thing without having to sit there with a gut full of alcohol and and have a hangover. But you know, sometimes that crosses over, and <laughs> then the night becomes forgotten. <laughs> you know, it it has happened. I love that we've had this like amazing substantive <laughs> interview, and we're gonna. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna close it out with with maybe people like something corporate because you got cancer and maybe you, and maybe you're all you're all about Jägermeister. Thanks a lot, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, no, I'm totally no, I'm totally teasing. But yeah, you know, it is what it is. It's hysterical. You know, now Jägermeister, Jägermeister found out that we like Jägermeister so much that they like. They let they like then we've got they get, they sent us a tap machine and the whole they deal. Did, yeah. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like 
I think yeah, we have like a we have a check from the day. I mean, we actually become like friendly with the Jägermeister rep, and we've got like they wrote us a check to go in and clear out like a clear out like a store of all their Jägermeister. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> life could be worse, buddy. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? It's like, but but truthfully, on this tour, it's like I can't even really. Drink, you know, it's like now that my responsibility level on stage has become as high as it has. You know, where it's like where we're doing these hour and a half, two hour. And you know, sets tonight. It's like you got forty-five minutes. I mean, and you know what you're playing, and you've played it for years. It's like you can go out and you can get a buzz on, and you can have you know whatever these shows. It's like I'm still learning how to play this material. So it's like I've been like sober Sam for the past couple months, and you know, and it's it's you know, there's there's something to be said about you know about keeping a lid on it every now and again though and that's how that's how we now make that a positive conversation there we go do you for, like you like how i like how 21 the, yo you children you know what i'm saying now you be good all right yeah don't do it do, do as i say not as i do yeah well you know it's like you know as much of people as as people have made me out to be a role model and as much as i appreciate it you know what i mean and i think that's it's it's an awesome thing you know I'm still just a dude like like anybody else, you know what I mean? And I got my vices like everybody else does, and I'm just trying to get through the day like anybody else, you know what I'm saying? I appreciate you so much coming by and talking. I hope it was uh, it was uh, worth it. I didn't. We didn't. I tried not to focus on the same stories. <laughs> no, it's it really, it's really, it's really been my pleasure. And 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 that's why you got the pass when my tour manager came on and said we had to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Well, take care of yourself, and we'll see you very again. We'll yeah. see you again for soon. Yeah, look forward to it. AP Podcasts are recorded at Lava Room Recording Studio in Cleveland, Ohio, a New York City quality studio at Cleveland Prices. Check out www.lavaroomrecording.com. For more information on Alternative Press Magazine, go to www.altpress.com. The podcast engineer is John Walsh. Post-production assistance from Robert Tenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is all my fault. You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com/slash Mike Shea AP. That's S H E A like the stadium AP.